a church, individual church. And here was a reason to make you a minister and a witness both of the things you have seen and the things which I will reveal to you. Now, the things that have come, we haven't seen what God has in store for this church. We have no idea what it's going to be. Only God does. But when God has revealed it in His plan and continues to reveal the workings of His plan, He's not going to reveal it to Glenn or anybody else, me or anybody else, He's going to speak to this church and reveal His plan to Greg because He is appointed the one that God has put as a spokesman and the one that God will speak to will be Greg. If God has a message for us, it's going to come through Greg. That's how God works. Remember, go back to the Old Testament. How did God speak to the people? Through Moses, through Abraham, on down through. And so if God is going to speak to this church, it's going to be through Greg. If anybody else thinks that they are a spokesman for a God, I'm going to tell you they're wrong. They're not speaking for God. It'll be the pastor, the man standing behind this. What are his qualifications? Now we know there are ones in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we go through all that. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless and all of the other kind of stuff. But there's another one. And then in the qualifications of being a pastor, and there's a saying that goes and it teaches it in, his, in the Bible, it teaches this, that God doesn't qualify, uh, call the qualified, He qualifies the called. <laughs> I often wonder, when God first came on and called me to be a preacher, I had a best friend that uh, my wife and I and him and his wife, we ran around with. He was brilliant. I mean, he had a mind that was just outstanding. To give you an idea, this was back in the days of the Cold War, and he taught himself to be speak Russian fluently. I said, Lee, why? In case they win. I can't even learn to speak English. But here he taught himself. And God called, we both going to church, and God called me to be a preacher and not him. And I have asked myself thousands of times, why, God, did you call me and not him? He is more qualified than I am in so many ways. But the Bible says he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies those he calls and gives them the ability to do. Remember that when he called uh, Abraham, He wasn't exactly this stellar individual that sometimes the people think he is. Remember, in just in plain English, he pimped his wife out twice with the king, remember, reading that? How about David? David, that he committed adultery and had Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed, and yet he went on. And so God is called qualifying people And let me tell you this, there are no perfect people. How many of you are tired of political ads right now? How many of you think we're going to get one? Going to get a good one? Well, I don't care what political thing you are. Here's the thing about that. We are all imperfect people. Is that not true? Then that means that we can only place in imperfect people into the seat of the president. 
That's kind of sad, isn't it? But God can take imperfect people like me and like the other people and he can put them and make them or qualify them and give them the ability to do the job which he has given them to. Read the, go through the Old Testament and read those who had God had called up and put into the place of authority and leadership and you'll see that none of them would come up and qualify for the man of the year. I'm not putting that to Greg, but this is a thing. My point is that God has will qualify Greg and has qualified him to be the pastor of this Pleasant Valley Chapel here in Springville. Now, what are his duties? He advertised for a part-time pastor. I don't believe there is such a thing, because if you really got a pastor's heart, what's on your mind all day long is your church. All the time. That's on your mind. And the duties is First Peter 5, 2. It says, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, but not of compulsion, but willingly. Here's a little thing right here that's really neat. Greg retired from the highway patrol. And that, so he really, and this is what it means, the point I'm making Serving as pastors, not by compulsion, but willingly. And he does, the compulsion means in this t- text that he would have to rely upon the church for his income and his living to support his family. But he doesn't have to do that, which frees him up and lets he's doing it not of compulsion, not to make a living, but he's doing it willingly because he wants to serve you and I. I think that is a very big-hearted and a neat thing that he would do that to sacrifice his time and then to go. And you know what? When a man retires, that means he's supposed to go play. <laughs> Let me tell you what, pastor in a church is a lot more than play. It's hard to do. Now, and the, the other the points of the things he has to do. Number one, he has, he's got to be a man of prayer. That's number one on the list. He must be a man of prayer. There was one of the famous preachers, I've forgotten his name, of the old time, a long time ago, wrote down, he was writing, never asked him what he would do, wish he had done, or through his ministry. I think it was Spurgeon. But he said, I would pray more. And Spurgeon was known as a man of prayer. But he said, I would pray more. This is one of the things a pastor has to do. He has to preach the word in season and out of season. He has to visit the sick. He has to settle quarrels. You don't know how many times that I've had to be called in to intervene. Matter of fact, when I interviewed the, uh, for the pastor, the position on the uh, board, church board, then one of the questions, if you had a quarrel in your church between people, how would you handle it? How would you handle it? I had about the same thing. My answer was I'd go over to uh, Matthew 18 because you can't judge on a broad, a broad scale of an argument between, say, a husband and wife or neighbors or whatever else because you have to deal with them specifically as the situation arises. Now, we've seen what are the duties to uh, of the pastor. What are our duties to him? 
He has duties to us. I read the bylaws of every church in the country and uh, I've seen the pastor's qualifications in all of the church doctrines. I've yet to come up and say what the people's duties to the pastor is. <laughs> I thought that's always been strange. That they would say, well, these are your duties, but they never put down what their duties to him are. But here they are out of the Bible. Our duties to him is to support and to pray for him. And I mean to support him. Here's the way to do that. If you want to support Greg when he preaches, he grew up in a Pentecostal background, Assembly of God. Mine, my younger days was uh, background was Pentecostal Church of God. And I uh, know, yeah, Pentecostal, no, I forgot. See there, my mind, getting old. What's the one where they got the name Holy Rollers? Pentecostal Holiness, that's it. That's it. That's where they got the name Holy Rollers. And literally they did it. That's all right. <laughs> Wasn't much for me, but you know. But they this is a support him, I'll tell you how, to support your pastor. And he's got that background. How many of you ever seen a dog and you sicked him on something? You say sick him. Isn't that true? <laughs> I remember when I was a young fellow, I had an old pit bulldog named G.I. He and I were down on the Taylor River one day, and we run across a possum. I said, sick him, G.I. I'm gone, gone, gone. The way to say sick him to Greg, you only have to say one word, amen. When he says something that you agree with, say amen often, and say it loud enough that he can hear it. Every amen, he takes another bite, like that old bulldog did. It just gives him encouragement, letting him know that you're agreeing with what he's saying and you appreciate it because it's for your benefit. Learn to say amen. <laughs> and realize this. That we think that we've got a battle in life. And I hear people say that, and we do. But he's fighting a battle daily that we can't see and he's fighting it on our behalf because the devil is after each one of us and he is the shepherd and we are his lambs and it's his responsibility before God to feed and to protect the, his lambs which are the people of this church. That's his job. And Greg is doing it. I have been a preacher for a long time. I watch preachers and see not what they're saying, so many of what they're saying, what they're doing. And I'd like to say, when they're preaching, how they do that. I enjoy hearing Greg preach. He makes me feel good all over anywhere else when he preaches. Because he has the energy, he puts himself into it, and I know that what he's saying comes from the, from the mind of God. <laughs> and I want you to know this too. He's going to get tired. I want to give you a little something. 
And I appreciate you letting him off today. Make sure he takes a vacation. And a Sunday, not just one Sunday a year. I'd say one every three months. But here's why. He will suffer burnout. That's what happened to me at the last church I pastored. It was almost five years that I didn't miss a Sunday standing behind that pulpit. And then come up, and Joanne got sick with cancer. And with the pressures of the church and not being rested up and her having cancer, I crashed because I just ran out. Make sure to give him a time to have rest often because he's going to need it. And you know something? He's going to need it more because I think this church is going to grow and that plan right back there is going to be fulfilled before you know it. I read uh, Robert Miller's... The Anybody know Robert Miller, the pastor? No? He's in <laughs> Texas, Gateway Church in Texas. It started a few years back with um, just a few people in his house. Bingo! He started and went on just grow and he's now got thousands every Sunday. And I think the same thing can happen here. I believe it will happen here if we haven't followed the Scriptures and do what the Bible says. Not only Greg, I'm sure he will, but if we will do what ours. And holding him up and giving the support that he needs. Let me give you an example. Remember Moses in the book of Exodus when he was battling an enemy country and they got a stone and set Moses on it. Excuse me. And uh, he would, when his arms were raised up, then the, the Israelis would win. When he got tired, his arms came down and they lost. So they got Aaron and her, H U R, not H E R, and set Moses on a rock. And each one of them held up an arm. And the army won. Because those two men helped him. If we will help Greg and do what we can to help and encourage him, we will be do more than we can even believe. But if we're going to find fault with him, well, his beard's too long, doesn't have enough hair on his head, or all this kind of stuff. If we're going to find fault with that like that, it's not going to work. Because look for what he is accomplishing. How he's brought this church together. And I'll guarantee you what. We're going to see great things from this. Follow his lead. I don't agree with everything he said. I said this to Glenn one day. I said, I don't agree with everything anybody says. And he said, not even your wife. No. Matter of fact, she hurt my feelings on the way to church this morning. I was sitting there as a thought, and I was on the way up here, and I thought, hmm. and I looked around and said, honey, I wonder how many really great preachers there are in this world. And she smiled sweetly and says, one less than you think. <laughs> now, that's not fair. <laughs> in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1, as Paul said this, Follow me just as I follow Christ. If Greg is following Christ, and I'm sure he's going to, then follow his lead 
and support him in everything that he's attempting to do for us. And he's doing it for us. In Hebrews 13, 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch for your souls. Tell me one, anybody in this church who is more concerned about your soul and the souls of the people and other people in this church than Greg and Connie. Let me tell you another way that you can support Greg. I pastored six churches in my 40 odd years doing this. I found out that there's two surprises that are common in every church. The first one, there are people who it's a surprise if they're there. I mean, these are the ones you, they walk in the door. Oh, it's like Raymond on uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. One that, what's that old man's name? You got people like that. <laughs> you know, when they come in, you go, <laughs> everybody's, oh, good to see you here today. <laughs> Folks, that should not ought to be. And then the other surprise is, is like today, I'm surprised that Max is not here. What's wrong with him? Oh, okay. I knew there's something wrong. Because it's, it's a surprise when Max is not here. <coughs> Now here's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Which am I or which will I be? Will I be a surprise when I'm there or a surprise when I'm not there? <laughs> i tell you what, because when you're not here, Greg's going to worry about you. Well, I wonder if they're sick. I wonder what's wrong. I wonder what kind of trouble they're having. How can I help them? Be the surprise if you're not here, that the pastor is surprised that you're not. Not surprised that you're here. That's the best way. And then, for they watch for your souls, let them do so with joy and not with grief. You know how to cause a pastor grief? Not living like you should. Joanne tells me, she says, remember when she was a little kid and her grandma took her to church and She'd go to church and she'd see the same one she saw getting drunk before coming out of bars on Saturday night, going to church on Sunday morning, shouting, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And that happens. But had to cause him grief is living, not living the way we ought to live. I believe if we're going to be called Christians, we ought to act like Christian because Christian means Christ like and if we're not going to do that I think we ought to change our name and not put that cross I've seen have you, how many have seen these you know people who have these big crosses around their necks and all this with a jug of Jack Daniels and you know what I think that's a tragedy if you're going to wear that cross you ought to live like it you ought to live what that cross means. If you're going to call you a Christian, you ought to live as Christ-like as you possibly can. And you know, it's really not hard. I don't think it's hard to be a Christian. And the Ten Commandments, I've heard people say, Oh, 
trying so hard to keep the Ten Commandments. What's hard about it? The first four to relate our relationship to God. The next six are a relationship to one another. I've not found anything about the Ten Commandments that are difficult. Nothing. Thou shalt not lie, shall not commit adultery, honor your mother and father. Here is the biggest, the biggest sin in the entire Bible and speaks of this one more than any other thing. This is, in God's eyes, this is a biggie. In fact, it's, it's, it's a, there involves a muscle in your body that is the strongest muscle in your entire body. You know what it is? Your tongue. He's right. Your tongue is the biggest, most powerful muscle in your entire body. And yet with that, with our tongue, that we commit more sins than any other. In fact, one person can commit more sins with a tongue than all the rest of us can by our other deeds. Watch what we're saying. And James says it is an unruly part of us. And God says, I go by this. If you can't say anything good about anybody, don't say nothing. Isn't that true? <laughs> Just keep your mouth shut. Then you find somebody else. <laughs> and, then, and do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I honestly and thankfully know that God sent Greg to this church. And I hope and pray that he stays for a long, long time. Because, I'm, you know, listen, you know what the average time a pastor, average pastor stays in a church? The average length of a time a pastor stays in a church? Two years. Two years. There's two reasons for that. One of them, you got a lazy preacher. Because the first two, I could, I could take the church and preach for two years without ever having to look up Anything you preach about. I've got had that many sermons back and I can just okay, we preach this one this Sunday. After two years you've got to go to work. <laughs> then you gotta start digging or repeat yourself. And the second one, the reason that they last for two years is that it jumps up a trouble in the church that wants to get rid of him. And that's another thing that happened at the First Free Will Baptist Church in Porterville. Along with not only that, I was tired. I had some people come in, a couple come in, just as friendly as a pet pup. But then it wasn't long but they, because they started stirring division in the church. And that's another thing that Greg has to watch for. If somebody can come, in fact, Paul wrote and told them several times, beware of false teachers or those who come in who are wolves in sheep's clothing. Because they will come in, sound good, look good, smell good, but watch and see 
what they're doing. Because, you know, I found out something. The, the devil has never portrayed himself as ugly. He's always presenting himself as beautiful and sounding good. But Greg, I believe, has the ability to detect the wolves in sheep's clothing. And I'm glad he does. Because God has given him that in order to protect me and you and the rest of the people who come here to church. And I want to add another little point to this. I've been talking about Craig. There's somebody else that is just as important, and that's Connie. Sometimes that the pastor's wife kind of gets punched to the back and or overloaded with jobs. My first wife died, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And God, I prayed, I said, God, I need somebody to help me with this job. And I had no idea what I was going to do. Had no idea getting remarried. But God knew what I needed and who I needed. And she's sitting right there. She'd been a widow for 11 years. Hated men. Said when she drives, she wanted to run over them. <laughs> but he brought us together. And she stepped in. And she wasn't used to going to church, but she stepped in. And babe, I commend you highly. You fulfilled the job that there was nobody else that I know of could have done. Because she kept and did what the pastor's wife needed to do. And that one of them was to encourage me. And then to take the leadership and the women in the church. And we were successful. We've been married 10 years. A little over. And I tell you what, I thank God every day. Babe, for you. Because you made my job a whole lot easier. And you need to pray for Connie. And this young lady, ask him how valuable she is to him. Because I tell you what, Connie, let me give you this. When you have a difficulty or problem, who do you go to? Greg? Isn't that true? The pastor? When Greg has a problem, who does he go to? Connie, I hope Greg stays a long, long, long time. Father, we thank you today, God, for Greg and for Connie. Not I thank you, Lord, for the plan that we saw you unfold in this church by sending him here. Oh, God, it is so joyous to see you work a plan and that God, how it works out. And I just thank you. And I pray you bless Greg and Connie with all the blessings that you have. And God, I know that they're going to be successful. I know that this church is going to grow. And I thank you that you've allowed Joanne and I to be a part of it. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing.